Rugby Coach Weekly Podcasts presents Coaching Laid Bare with Lisa Bird Burgess and LJ Lewis. And welcome to the Coaching Laid Bear pod, where we normally discuss all aspects of coaching for involved with women's rugby. But for the last few pods, myself and LJ have been exploring other roles that women's rugby can offer. And this week, we're truly delighted to have one of the most inspirational women in, in women's rugby. Um, and that is Katie Sadlier, who is the general manager of Women's Rugby World Cup from 2016. Katie, good morning from New Zealand. How are you? You should, should say good evening over there. Yeah, it's nighttime here. I'm, I'm really good and it's great to join you and LJ. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and what an impressive CV that you have. Um, you're so, you've done so much for women's rugby. I'm just going to give our listeners just a little flavour of some of the awards and achievements that you have. Um, you started off um, actually by... Um, joining the, the Commonwealth Games in New Zealand member in synchronised swimming, where you actually achieved a bronze medal um, for your um, synchronised swimming. You actually did that with your sister, didn't you? That must have been pretty no, amazing. I, I, actually, I, I competed with my sister in the Olympics in 1984, but it was a, the bronze medal I got at the 84, um, 86 Commonwealth Games in Edinburgh. So I was on my own, but she was coaching me at that stage, yeah. Wow. And is she older or younger than you? She's exactly one year older. Wow. Yeah. That's just an, what an amazing, so, and the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games, what an incredible achievement that must have been. And then um, in 94, you were the Commonwealth, in the Commonwealth Games in Victoria. You were actually the team assistant, chef de mission. How, how did that go, you know, in charge of the national team? Could you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, it was one of those funny things when I applied for it. I was quite young, probably, probably the youngest woman who had a role like that. Well, probably the youngest person who'd had a role like that. I hadn't long been finished my competitive career but I kind of put myself forward because I have a bit of a, a Commonwealth background I was born in Scotland brought up in Canada lived in New Zealand for most of my life my father's Australian my grandfather was South African and my great-great-grandfather came from Tipperary so I, I put myself forward <laughs> as that Commonwealth kid I mean you can't get much better than that in terms of the connection with the Commonwealth so when it was about going back to Victoria, uh, you know, I just kind of sort of said, look, I come from all these countries, they'll all be representative and I speak the native language. So it was really special to be able to be there in that kind of capacity for the New Zealand team. And what did that kind of involve? Well, I, I guess, um, you know, what happens when you pick Olympics or, or Commonwealth Games or any multi-sport teams is uh, you work with the, the chef de mission, you, you, the senior management of the overarching team. So, you know, the, 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 New Zealand Olympic and Commonwealth Games, we have one combined body in, in New Zealand, selects the team by setting the standards for all the different sports. And then once the sports were selected, so the teams in, in um, you know, variety, cycling, swimming, the, the whole the rambit of what goes to those games, then you'd have the responsibility of, of working with all the team managers for the sports sections to make sure that the teams are well prepared and that they they know what's going to happen when they get into um, the the games and the 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 um, the, uh, the Commonwealth Games Village. And then you kind of lead, you know, the internal communications, making sure that you're creating a culture within a team that um, is supportive of each other, that you've got the right environment in place in terms of applied sports science, sports medicine services for players and athletes to do their best. So it's kind of, it's kind of like the executive yeah. of um, an overarching team of a whole bunch of different sports uh, coming together. And then of course, then you get involved in leading the debrief process as well 
Wow. And we're going to touch a bit more on that. I know LJ's got a question, you know, to start off with that we want to ask you. But um, just just really quickly then, 2016, you got New Zealand Lifetime Achievement Award for your contribution to sport. And in 2020, this year, um, you were recognised and profiled as one of the top 10 most influences in world rugby, which is just phenomenal. And, you know, congratulations on all the achievements. You know, you're driving standards so high for women's rugby and we're so excited to have you on the show. So welcome, Elj. How are we doing, Elj? How's little Patrick? I know it's, it's earlier yeah. for us over here in the morning. We'll see little Patrick. Yeah, he's, uh, he's running around in the background, so I apologise if you hear him. I try and mute when he comes in. But yeah, no, I'm good. Thank you, Bird. Good to see you guys. And uh, yeah, really excited to have Katie on and personally looking forward to hearing like yourself, Bird, hearing all your stories as well. So yeah, but yeah, I'll mute it if he comes in. Sorry. <laughs> well, he might have some questions. <laughs> yeah, they'll be about they'll be about dinosaurs or something like that. <laughs> I do dinosaurs too. <laughs> but yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Ben. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, all good. All um, yeah. The Christmas countdown weeks on now, you know. So the strange Christmas it's going to be for us all. But yeah, um, yeah, all good here. Thanks, Elj. Yeah. Cool. Um. Shall we get straight to the questions then? Because um, I know we've got quite a few, haven't we, Bird? So if I kick us off. Um, so, Katie, you, you've got a vast amount of experience in sport, especially at director level, on national boards and as general manager, which re requires you to report to CEOs, boards and ministers. Um, and we just wondered what's been your driving force to keep you working at this strategic level, because it's obviously so high um, and there's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing that yeah, there is a lot of responsibility, but it is the area of the game that you can, I guess, you can have the most significant impact. Um, and, and what I kind of pride myself on when I when I've had those kind of roles at directors and, and, and um, second in charge roles is really actually understanding what happens through the whole pathway. You know, I mean, I'm really, I guess I'm one of those fortunate people who has had a history as a as a as an athlete um, as a, a volunteer at club level, through community level, um, through national and international. So you get kind of a real good feel for what are the strategic issues. So then when you go up and you're sort of working at a strategic level, it's not just sort of being dropped in there and thinking, oh, maybe we'll try this. It's actually really having a, a good understanding and a good network of people that still um, you know, that are constantly keeping you in check in terms of what are the policies and the principles that you're developing, which will impact on people all around, and in this role, all around the globe. Yeah. So it's a, it's, a, it's a real privilege to be in that kind of influential um, leadership role. Um, and I guess the drive for me personally is, uh, is I've met so many amazing people that I've, I've had the privilege of working alongside that have all sorts of ideas and you know, you know what it's like if, you, if you're working with people who are really passionate, being the best they possibly can be, um, then then it just kind of it, it becomes infectious and you just really want to do the best you can for the people that you are there to serve. It's great. So you love working with people. That's the biggest thing, first of all, I'm getting out of it. And also then having being able to actually have an influence at all levels, not just, you know, elite, but grassroots all the way through, uh, obviously, at the moment, rugby, but, you know, any any environment that you're working in all the way through the pathway? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's really important, you know, to understand how connected everything is. And, and you could just, you know, starting at and only focusing on the elite level without actually thinking about what underpins that. Um, and then when, when I'm thinking about rugby, I mean, when I started in, in um, when I moved to Dublin in 2017, you know, I was appointed at the end of 2016, was we, I was given this amazing opportunity to, 
first of all, listen and learn about what are all the challenges and aspirations and, and um, uh, things that we needed to sort of tackle in terms of, of developing the global game. But you realize quite quickly, it's not about one little thing. It's not, you can't just focus on, um, you know, the professional women's game or uh, World Cups. You need to actually really think through participation, leadership, profile, what you do about lifting the profile of the game, investment, and all those kind of bubbles all come together to create something that's really sustainable in, in terms of transformation and change. Yeah, I, like just um, from my personal experience, I know that if you don't have a, a really strong kind of grassroots, like base level, you know, your your top end is not going to you know survive, whether that's players, coaches. And like personally, I know through my own playing and then coaching career, I, like I spent a lot of time volunteering and uh, coaching out in the community. So I definitely believe that that's what's helped me become the coach I am now. So I definitely agree with you. Like it's really important to understand every level. And I think Bird, a lot of the people we've had on actually have done so much volunteering to get them into positions they're in, haven't they? You know, when yeah. we had Sophie on, she said the same around that too. So yeah, we had Sophie on, who's um, you know the manager at um, Team Bath, you know for rugby, rugby um, RSC, and you know she was just saying how much work she put in prior to where she where she's actually got to, um, right. you know to go on volunteer, put yourself out there, understand what grassroots, how does how do you get there, how what affects everything, and and that understanding has enabled us to really progress through the sport and really understand the process of how you achieve things, yeah. um, and you know basically yeah. to work work hard and keep working hard, and you know, yeah. and that's what it's all about that understanding all feeds in and I think creating that team around getting that culture right is so important yeah Yeah. Yeah. so so kind of leading on what what does it you know god it sounds incredible and and any of our listeners listening to that you know what does a typical day look like in your role as kind of world rugby general manager that's kind of an interesting question well I mean the typical day six months ago might be a bit different than the typical day (laughs) today so kind of merge the two but you know it's kind of those you know, you, now that we have a strategy in place and we really know what we're trying to achieve, it's um, it, it's it's far more um, you know task orientated, a whole series of project plans across a whole range of work streams that we keep trying to drive forward. But my day involves um, very much you know a lot of Zoom calls, a, a lot of Zoom calls, and because I'm based in New Zealand at the moment. Um, and I was only really originally planning on staying down here for 10 days. I came down for the World Cup draw and, and one, one year to go and to work with the host organizing committee to start getting the hype going for the World Cup. So with that, it, meant, it means still that I'm doing things during the day, so the New Zealand daytime, and whether that's going up to Whangarei, where half of the tests will be next year and, and meeting with council people, getting them all excited. So I do a lot of public speaking. I do quite a lot of media. Um, and then I switch into the evening when the Dublin world starts and I kind of usually kick into Zoom calls around nine o'clock and they might go through till about one or one thirty, depending on what, what's on. So it's kind of long. And, and what am I doing? I'm kind of I, I spend a lot of time connecting people. Um, you know, we've got some really good programs now that we've built up over the last three years in terms of. Um, executive leadership scholars, um, the work that we're doing with, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit about later with, with Carol Ishward and connecting coaches and connecting regions to kind of share and compare what's going on in their, in their space. Um, how can we transfer the knowledge so that they can learn quickly about how to develop the game in, in the variety of cultures around the world? 
So pulling people together, getting them talking and getting them sharing and supporting each other in terms of driving the same agenda, which is about accelerating the global development of women in rugby. So it's really fascinating talking to people from all over the world, um, but mostly in one place. Whereas if you asked me what I was doing last year, it was much more get out there and sit down and, and meet with the people face to face um, and come and run leadership forums, um, attend where I could uh, a variety of different tests and competitions. But, you know, one of those incredible jobs where it is, it's about it's about growing the game and meeting people from Mongolia through to Guam to Tunisia and really getting women absolutely um, passionate and involved in the great game of rugby. Wow. You, um, sorry, sorry. can I ask you just a question yeah. on that? Obviously, I know life is what it is right now, but do you miss, obviously Zoom is great, but do you miss that kind of face-to-face, -face, personal, getting out there, seeing people in their environment? Do you miss that? Yeah, you do. I mean, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I'm right now I'm in New Zealand. So you do get the, you know, the mixture. I go into the New Zealand rugby office and I can go out to, you know, to clubs or stuff like that. And I can talk to people in, but I do miss that mixture. Although in saying that, you know, we've probably been more connected than we ever have. I mean, we're, yeah. we, we have, we signed off on an eight year strategy and we're about to start the fourth year of that strategy. And so we've spent a lot of time developing leaders and networks and because people have got yeah you have got more time to connect it does mean that I'm speaking to more of them more often than I would have before when I was kind of traveling around so it, mm -hmm. there, there's definitely things about this environment that I certainly will keep um, post-COVID. Yeah, and that, that's one of the things with Zoom calls. I know everyone gets, you know, fed up for the long, you know, being on the squared computer. But actually being able to connect to people like you just gave examples from all of the countries, phenomenal. You know, and actually the time zones, I know we have to get up early or something to speak to people or stay up late as you are. It's just fantastic to think you can reach literally everywhere in the world now, which is yeah, just I phenomenal. I have several days where I just look at it and I think I've just gone around the world. And you do, you know, you, know, you, you, you tend to, and I try to make sure that, I, you know, it's not all about making everyone um, meet you when you're up. So I certainly do get up for a three o'clock in the morning call if that's the right time to do something for Asia or Africa. So I, I do play that game of, you know, I, I mean, I work for World Rugby. I'm really privileged to work for World Rugby, but in that means that the people that we're here to um, provide services for are in countries all around the world. And, and it's not about them getting up in the middle of the night. It's about me. <laughs> so you never get any sleep. <laughs> well I've kind of moved into I think since I've been in New Zealand I kind of have three hour power naps um twice, <laughs> twice a day I've always yeah. only you know I was just my background's aquatics so I've, yeah, I've been yeah, a swimmer yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've always been a very very early morning riser and a pretty late so six hours is kind of what I need but I don't necessarily always get the six hours in one shot nowadays yeah, so yeah, it's kind yeah. of three hour power naps but it's good I mean yeah. hey you know, I just, how, get all the time. and how do you actually relax Katie how do you switch off Oh, well, I... Oh, do you? <laughs> yes, no, I definitely, I definitely do. Um, I watch, I watch Netflix. Can I admit to that? From time yes, to time? you can. Yeah. I, yeah. Do, I do a lot of walking. I, you know, I really, really enjoy walking. And once again, I mean, I'm being at home in New Zealand. So I kind of walk two hours a day. I try to do 10Ks a day if I can. And I listen to music. Um, uh, I love catching up with friends over coffee. Um, and I'm a bit of a closet artist, to be honest. You know, I mean, it's kind of funny being in Dublin. I don't have as much of that going on, but coming back, staying in my sister's house because my house is rented out. Uh, um, I, I walk around the garden. And I see all the pottery and and all the kind of paintings and things that I've made around the place. So I kind of, kind of, I kind yeah. of do a mixture of stuff. Yeah. 
I like in that. So the artistic side of you coming out as well. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so just, I just wondered if you could pinpoint, and it doesn't have to be in the role you're in right now, it could be in one of your other roles that you've had. What has been your greatest moment of, whether it's change or, or influence, kind of, I suppose it's similar-ish thing. So what might that be? <laughs> Might be a well, big question, but there's I mean, hey, there's been some there's been some really big thing. I mean, I I I have been in roles where I have led significant transformation programs. Um and I guess one of them that I think of quite often is in which is what I, I get I won the my lifetime achievement award for the New Zealand government was I was given the task um back in when Sydney was awarded the Olympic Games for the for 2000, but when they were awarded the games. New Zealand had no high performance system in place. Um, and so like an elite system like the UKSI or I'm not sure who else what, or what, what, whether the system is the same there, but Irish Institute of Sport. So we didn't have anything like that back then. And I was given the task um, from the New Zealand government or actually Prime Minister Task Force to have a look around the world. And I spent, you know, two, three months visiting high performance systems all around the world to look at, you know, not, not because we were going to copy stuff, but just because we needed to have something we had, we didn't even have a coaching program back then. And so then I came back and I wrote a report to the government and they bought into that. And I led the transformation and, and, and the establishment of the New Zealand elite system. And that was pretty, that was pretty big. Um, it was, it was, it was, it's really big in terms of we had to do some rapid change, like take money out of the system that was going into the sports to create something that was more centralized. So on a, on a large scale, something like that. But then I think about things, you know, that, you know, that kind of seems really big. But when I look at the feedback that I get in since I've been working for World Rugby, you know, I think that probably one of the best programs that, that I've been involved in, and I'm seeing it now in the coaching program as well, is the work that we've been doing on leadership development. We specifically, you know, there's five pillars in our strategy. Like I said before, the central one is about leadership. And and we decided that that's where we really need to focus, whether it's leadership in boards, leadership in, in senior managers or leadership in coaching and match officials. And, and we're moving on to players in, in more detail over the next year. But, you know, I, I, you just see where those people have gone over the last three years in terms of moving into amazing leadership positions um, or, or just on a pathway towards that. Um, and, and, and I get, little notes from them from time to time about what difference their world is like now as a result of that. And you, you got to think that that's pretty amazing. I mean, one, I mean, there's so many people that I could, could, could talk about. I mean, it's great. Liz in a new, new position, but like I think of the work that we've been trying to do with India and, and Iran and, and there's a woman in our, um, our trans stoppers campaign that we launched last year at world rugby, which was about lifting the profile of women in rugby. And one of the women in there, Nahid, who was the sport develop, she's the sports development slash coaching development manager for, Ran. She's now on the board of Rugby Asia. She just got voted on the board of Rugby Asia. And she's just turned that country around from having three and a half thousand women playing rugby pre her involvement in the campaign to now over 10 and 10 and a half thousand. And just, you know, and she's just such an inspiration to feel that you've had something to do with that. Yeah. It, it only makes you smile. I mean, it's fantastic. So yeah. watching some of those individual success stories of people that we've kind of just dropped water on and all of a sudden they're blooming, you know, it's, it's great. It's really, really exciting. Can I, sorry, can I ask another little question on that yeah. leadership thing? What, what would you say your, is your one little nugget of advice to, to a female, particularly if they're trying to build that real strong leadership, especially, you know, that example you've just given, 
yeah. pretty pretty tough for a female to you know make change influence what would the one yeah. the one nugget be do you think I know it's another... I think, that, I think that, that you know and it's kind of funny and I was thinking the other day am I am I only just giving this to young girls that come into the system and and no I'm not I I think your network is really really important yeah. um unashamedly creating a really strong supportive network of people who you might normally think that you would be associated with and, and people that you wouldn't. I talk about how you, every, every woman should have their own little black book of the yeah. people that they meet during their career that they think, ah, oh, that person, um, I've learned something, you know, when you've met someone that you haven't met before and you go into a room and you come out and you think, wow, you get in touch with that person and there's something that you're going to learn from them. And then collectively, all those things that you learn actually make you who you are. But you keep that little black book going and you keep in touch with those people. Because, you know, it was something that my, that my dad, who's, who passed away in my first year um, when I moved to, to Dublin, said to me was never close a door that you think you might want to open in your life. And you never know what those doors are. And so, you know, always being open minded, being, you know, getting going into a room and thinking, oh, I don't know anyone. But making that kind of focus of, but I'm going to come out here with two more cards or two more contacts that I've never known before and start building that network because you just never know where it, where it leads you. I love that. That's such good advice. Mm. Yeah. Get your little black book going. That's what I'm saying. I I definitely, yeah. I think, I think informally I've, I've probably done that. I mean, that's definitely, there's definitely people that come into your life that you think, this person's a good person for me. And like you say, it probably isn't someone you've ever thought of before. So yeah, mm. I love mm. that. Yeah, Sorry, it's, really, it's really good advice. And I was just going to say, you're not the the only person like Tanya Rossi. Do you remember when we interviewed her as well? Yeah. She, she was saying yeah, yeah. about a little black book, writing things down and m- meeting people and everything, you know. And I think like you said, Elge, informally, we most probably do that, you know, in, um, yeah. For, yeah. in our journey. But it's definitely great advice there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So just touching on that, Katie, is um, how, how and why did you become involved in rugby? Well, it was a funny one for me. I mean, I, I, look, I come from New Zealand, so it's in the blood down here, as you know. You know, so it's, it's, it's very difficult. It's very difficult not to be involved in rugby in any way. And, and I was involved in sport for so long, so I was responsible for the investment in in rugby. And then I had an interesting. I mean, I was married to a halfback um, for a long time, so the, it, I got more involved kind of at a later age. When I when I came when I moved from Canada, it was although Vancouver, you know, rugby was there, but it wasn't as much a part of, of my life as some of the other sports. So coming down to New Zealand, you quickly learned that you got on board, and and uh, it was it was everywhere. So it became it was so much a part. And then and then and then, uh, but I'd never played, so I have never played rugby. Um, so I've watched a lot of rugby, and I hadn't, to be honest, before taking on this job, I hadn't watched a lot of women's rugby. But what I did see was something that was happening globally with this sport, which was really, really exciting, you know, past the, the Rio Olympics. And I had just won that award that you, that you mentioned earlier. I'd won that Lifetime Achievement Award for my contribution to sport in New Zealand. And I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, what is this telling me? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I was 50 at the time and I thought, you know, what about, does that mean? Does, does, does it mean my life's over or should I no longer achieve anything else in sport? Or what am I going to do? And, and I, at the time I was kind of doing more volunteer board stuff as opposed to, and working in other sectors. And it just made me really think, oh, I want to get back involved. And literally a week later, this job came across my desk, general manager, women's rugby for world rugby. And I thought I'd always, you know, I've been a planner, a career planner, and I've always wanted to work in a sport that was committed to international best practice that was that you could see the potential of working with sport for sport development so it wasn't 
I mean, I was always been lucky. I've been to nine Olympics and Commonwealth Games in my in my career. So it wasn't the elite elite stuff, but it was seeing a sport like rugby and its its commitment to values and what was happening globally. And I said, I've got to put my name in the hat for this. And I did. It was a really long recruitment process, um, but I was the the one who you know got the gold medal in the end. And here I am. So it was kind of like that. It was I, it's almost kind of fate, really, in a way. And it's it's just been an amazing, I call it my big girl's adventure, you know, moving to the, I have a 25 year old daughter who lives in Auckland, who's kind of stuck here right now because of COVID, but I, I, um, I get to do the most, it's the most amazing job. I mean, it really is. And to have a bit of a blank sheet on where you're going to take it to work with really inspirational people. It's just been so, so exciting. So exciting. And we're, we're so glad you got that job as well. You're doing an incredible, um, incredible journey and role in there. So thank you so much for everything you've done and can continue to do. And do you think your um, educational journey kind of helped you in your passion for sport? Or was it kind of um, outside influences that shaped you? I think it's a mixture. I mean, I, 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 mean, I did study in sports management. Um, and, uh, you know, so I did do a master's in sports management and I did an undergrad in parks and recreation, but I think it was probably more the, more the people that I met all the way through my, my career in, in both in being an active, um, an athlete, um, and the people that you meet along the way. I mean, you know, it's always those, those nuggets of goals, what gold that you get, whether it's something that you've done well or something that maybe you could have done better. Um, you know, seeking those kind of advice from other people who have similar kind of careers, um, and always having that kind of mentor check and challenge group along the way um, of people that were just there just to keep you um, to be there for when you were making some challenging decisions and about where you were going career wise. So, yeah, I think it's a mixture. I mean, it's, it's nice to have a, an academic career that's linked to it, but I don't think it's necessary. I think what it what is, is is to actually understand you know, be really clear about what you're trying to achieve in your career and making sure you get the right people around you who can help you be great. That's, that's really great advice. Alge, I see you want to come in there. Yeah, sorry. Um, so that info, kind of that informal stuff is just as important, you believe, definitely. Absolutely. Like, yeah, definitely. Probably more so important. I mean, look, I'm 56 now. So the academic stuff was a very long time ago. And I might very well go back to that. It's kind of funny. I, I have a few friends that are that are, are lecturers or university professors and um, and my father was, um, and I, I, I mean, I kind of like that aspect of, you know, maybe I need to do a PhD at some stage in my life, but you, you quickly get out of that and you, uh, you know, it is about being someone who's constantly interested in learning more about yeah. things that you should know about as a professional working in this field. But, and that happens on the job and that happens by going to conferences and that just happens by creating a really good support network of people who can, who can keep you honest yeah, and I think that's really important, you know, since we've been interviewing all these amazing people that we've spoken to, all these amazing women, it's um, it's really interesting that everybody wants to keep challenging themselves, wants to keep driving to be the best. And, and like you said, that network you create so you can keep challenging, checking, um, talking to people, having sounding boards, you know, am I on the right journey? What else could I do? You know, it's just so important to those people. So, um, you know, and you're, you're a true reflection of that. I know LJ and myself, we we sang off each other all the time. You know, I've learned so much from LJ on that. Uh, um, on my coaching journey and my journey outside of rugby as well and I think like when you meet those good people you know it's really important to hold on to them um, yeah. but also don't close the doors to meeting other new people because life is like Absolutely. that isn't it moving along that Absolutely. journey and then um, you know we talked a little bit about your participation in sports um, and how you, as a performer as well you've learned and that's that was one part of your journey but what, what have you learned and taken from your p- personal participation and experience at a strategic level from other sports? 
I suppose, I suppose, I mean, like I've always been someone who really believes that, you know, whenever you're developing a strategy and I've always got, you know, I get to come in and, and see an, an organization. I do that kind of current status. What I do, I usually come in and I do what I, I'd call a current state analysis of what's really going on. You know, what are the people saying? What are you seeing? What are you observing? What are they feeling? What are they thinking? What are they hoping? So all that kind of sort of stuff. And then I look at what are other people doing? Because at the end of the day, it's, you know, a lot of the stuff in sport, whether you go cross sports, is, is kind of similar challenges, checking challenges along the way. So I, I do spend a lot of time, and I talk about it quite often, with um, my equivalent, um, the person who's in the equivalent role for me in FIFA is Soraya Behrman. She's from FIFA. So I usually meet with her at least one, at least two times a month, but sometimes every week we, we catch pitch space and have lunch over zoom she's actually in quarantine right now in new zealand she's on her way home from but she lives in zurich and then another girl from england um holly calvin who is um working currently in dubai um for the icc and we we meet regularly to talk and check and challenge but we i'm also part of lots of networks where you just it's really important just to actually understand why people do what they do and and not because you can you're going to copy it but because you want to understand what good practice is and that's how you fast track your learning process. But I also think it's really important. So I always sort of say to people, you know, when I got on board, I had three things I need to do. One was to develop a strategy that people could buy into. So an inspirational, aspirational strategy. And to do that, to actually understand what the real issues were. The second, what I needed to do was to connect great practice. And that was inside our sport and it was outside our sport. So it was bringing, bringing other codes thinking into what we were doing as well. And then the Third part was to make sure the accountability sits in the right place around the organization at World Rugby and around the globe in terms of driving the change. But yeah, so the other thing that I would say is, is bringing things from different sports and actually understanding how they go about, you know, developing coaches or running marketing campaigns or their sponsorship. But the other real challenge, I think, is quite often people in sport only think within sport. And I've spent a lot of time understanding where yeah. good practice lies yeah. across industries. So I've spent a lot of time in the arts world understanding you know I was a keynote speaker at a conference in Loughborough a long time ago about elite sports systems and the other keynote speaker was the coaching director of Cirque du Soleil and he was fantastic and he invited me to come and spend a bit of time in, in Quebec having a look at how that program that high performance program works and I mean if you really want to study coaching and you want to look at peak performance and when you look at the circus school I mean they have to peak perform every day and make sure that their injury prevention is in place and that they're you know their daily training environment is appropriate and a third of those performers are ex-athletes ex so that whole kind of concept of cross industries I think is also really important and particularly in the coaching field I think it is yeah I can't agree with you more that's that's fascinating to think you went there as well what a great experience and it's also important not to be narrow-minded in our sport as well but to, to have that in, inquisitive nature to look at what other sports are offering and bring in and I know a few CPD yeah. courses I've done over the summer during this COVID period you know it's given the opportunity to look at other sports mm -hmm. and I know Alge I can see you on your yeah. seat there wanting to come in there <laughs> yeah no I, I love that too I, I definitely again I think rugby or your sport can only give you so much and like you say learning from other environments is massive like I, I've tried to read a lot about other you know other environments and other types of leadership like I've a little bit uh, <laughs> I've got a bit bogged down into the side of politics and like looking at leaders and how do those people get to where they are I think a big question I am um, myself and Giselle who I work with at WASP we, we ask each other sometimes is those people in those positions like are 
should they be there to be liked, you know, because they have to make real tough decisions. And we reflect on that when we're making our own, you know, decisions mm. that affect our environment. And that goes a bit deep. I know politics and our rugby yeah. environment, but, do you yes. know, like there's definitely a big crossover. So, yeah, I love that. And I'm going to get onto the circus uh, idea for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, I mean, in this kind of, we, you know, because I was responsible for establishing New Zealand's high performance system you know one of the things that we definitely did in the coaching world is that you was put coaches into that kind of you know understanding communication from a drama perspective so having that kind of overlap between drama school and high performance coaching and and um it's really important really important yeah, yeah. yeah definitely i mean and um, you see new zealand are great at that as well you know sending coaches out you know you look at all the new zealand coaches that come over certainly to wales you know in, yeah. it, it's just yeah. and then go back to new zealand it's just yeah. i think it's phenomenal and you, it's, it's certainly um that it's a really interesting environment to look at what other sports do in that high performance area so yeah Absolutely. definitely and also i think there's an element of uh, understanding different cultures on that as well isn't there you know you yeah. look at especially in rugby you know you look at i think the spring box is a really great one to understand yeah. they're so successful now because they put the right people in place to understand their culture, what was needed. Like, if, I don't know if you've seen Chasing the Sun, but that has changed my world in terms of how to manage people, communicate people, get people on yeah. the same page when they're all from such different environments and cultures, but one country. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a big thing too. But, yeah, I, lo- I love all that stuff. Bird knows I get <laughs> excited yeah. by that. So Definitely. Um, I just wanted as well, so another bit of advice, if you've got it for any females out there that are wanting to push themselves to holding positions of influence or change again within a sporting organization a little bit like yourself I suppose what advice might you have for them again doesn't have to be young or old any 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 age band (laughs) yeah well I mean I I think hey I think that you you um you know it's an old kind of saying and we've 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 heard it a bit from some much more famous woman than myself about that whole concept of leaning in you know you take risks um believe in yourself um and be yourself I think that's you know that's that's really important I mean I think quite often you know women feel that they need to be some someone else when they get into those kind of roles because um they need to act in a different way it's you know it's not as appropriate for them to act the same way and and i think that's kind of really sort of sad so i, I believe really much in in um you know you, you, to get to get into those roles you're, you're you you are someone who's got that kind of passion and drive for leadership um, continue on uh, and don't feel that you have to change who you are and what you are when you actually get into those roles, but definitely create support networks. I mean, I, you know, go back to that yeah. black book. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, um, a, a support network and your own, what I call stakeholder engagement plan about who are the people that will assist you in what you are um, trying to achieve. Uh, Cause you don't always have to be the people, the person who's, who's driving. You just need to know who you need to work with to actually drive things so kind of thinking about that much more holistically but yeah be yourself and um believe in yourself definitely yeah um i definitely yeah i think again uh, experience personally i know bird you probably have it gone through this i know mean you've had discussions but being yourself is definitely important i think when i was younger i was very much trying to please people and mm-hmm. change or being like oh maybe that part of me is not right. And now I'm older, I'm very much, this is me. And I, I think I've, I've got some great, great things to offer. So why do I need to change? Um, 
So yeah, I love that. I, d- I don't know how you feel, Bird. Yeah, I mean, it's really important. And I love that little nugget there. You've got to be yourself and not everybody's the same. And that that that's what yeah. brings different things to, you know, any boards or organisations you're in because you're unique as a person and your drive, your desire, your passion to get actually be there and become that person is, is what's got you there in the first place. So why change? You know, and, and we've all got to accommodate and things are appropriate at certain times. But, yeah, you know, back yourself, be yourself. And I think it's really important, like you said, to take that risk, you know, meet yeah. meet different people that you wouldn't necessarily talk to. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I've, I've certainly like you, Katie, like you, LJ, I've met some amazing people and, and you meet them. You can get a little bit overawed sometimes. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're yourself and you're aspiring to learn and challenge and speak to them, then you're just human beings at the end of the day you will find some way to connect. So, you know, just go with it and back yourself 100%. Yeah. Um, Just going back to the rugby. um, So another big question, um, but what are your aspirations for women's rugby over the next um, five years? Or I I think you just mentioned you had an eight year plan. So maybe the next, the next four years, I suppose at a time with your your current planning stages. Yeah, we, we kind of signed off in the, the eight year plan in December, 2017. And it, it is quite a big aspirational plan. I mean, ultimately, um, it is about normalizing women's involvement in rugby, and uh, and and that you know that basically what that means is that when you think about rugby, wherever you are around the world, that you don't think about it as a sport that it's a male sport, and that oh yeah, some women do it too. That when you think about it, it it's kind of more like getting into the, into the space like, um, you know, swimming or cycling, you know, you, the world championships has just got both and you don't think, oh, do women do it? You know, it's, it's getting it to that stage where when you see it, when you view it, when you are led by it, um, when you are coached by it, that it is absolutely normal that there are women and men side by side um, working alongside that. So that's kind of a big picture. And, and to do that, you know, we, we have got some pretty lofty goals um, in terms of things that we want to change. But ultimately, they are all about um, making sure that it is a sport that is played and supported by men and women, girls and boys, um, and that it is, it's not considered a sport that oh, some women play. Uh, again, I, <laughs> I'm very excited by that. I definitely, uh, I think it's changed, like over here at Bird, I know we're obviously involved with the Alliance Premier 15. I think it's definitely changing over here. Like we get, we do get great support for our league and um, we get, crowd when we're allowed them obviously crowds and now live streams with big numbers so I think that's slowly changing here but it's still an uphill battle you know just small things like because you're a woman you can't possibly be their coach it must be the man but actually no Mm. he's I'm the coach not him and just little things like that we still have to keep pushing but in the right way so but I do like there's definitely a, a tidal change over here I don't know if you would agree bird Oh, massively so. I mean, and certainly the, you know, the live streaming has been phenomenal and the numbers you're getting watching is, is just great. You know, the um, the recent Autumn Internationals with England and France that were aired on, you know, yeah. terrestrial television as well, got great following. And, and it is that normalisation, isn't it? When you think of a sport, it's that old question, you know, they, that people ask you about the pilot and something happens to the pilot, um, but the planes landed safely. And actually you think of the pilot as a as a male, but actually it was the female, you know, it's, it's just changing, yeah. you know. I forget how the story goes, but it's something like that yeah. anyway. Just, you know, the pilot landed the plane and it happened to be a woman, you know, and it was, but you automatically, you know, 
60% of the population would think the pilot was a male. So it is changing those perceptions. But I, I definitely think we're, we're on the start of that journey. We've still got a long way to go. But the change that's happened, certainly in the last five years, has been phenomenal, you know, and, and I think it's just massive and it, it's continuing to grow, you know. So, um, so no, it's really exciting and it's a really exciting time to be involved in women's rugby, um, you know. So, yeah, long may it continue. Um, and, and leading on to that, Katie, what, what, do you, yes. what has been your greatest challenge in your involvement with women's rugby? I think, that, you know, it's, it's um, when I first arrived, I kind of was bombarded with all the things that people wanted fixed. Um, and some of them were little things, some of them were big things. And, and so, but they were all really, they were all things that really meant things to, to the individuals. So, you know, whether it was trying to sort something for match officials or what was I doing about the fact that there was only one country in the world at that stage that was coached by a, a woman. You know, I mean, there were so many different things to fix. And so the biggest challenge has probably been to sequence um, how do you go about that? I mean, you, when, you, when you're faced with a sort of situation where you've got some big change that you want to get going, you know, how do you pick what you want to work on first without disappointing people and getting people, because, you know, I know how, how, how frustrated a lot of people were at, the, at that time um, because they were passionate and they were seeing this kind of the change happening, but they want the pace to go faster. And so that, that has been a big challenge, trying not to disappoint people, but to, to let people know that there is a plan and that all these things do connect and that, but, you know, you can only go so far and you have to actually put things in, into a sequence, but eventually everything will be, will be addressed and it will be addressed. And, you know, I mean, right now we're spending quite a lot of time trying to sort out, you know, global international competitions. Um, in my first year, it was very much about trying to work on um, changing the, the leadership structures at a governance level and at a, a senior level inside unions and regions and regional associations. And we've seen such dramatic changes there. And I look at what's happening at regional associations now. I mean, there's a, you know, a director of women's rugby employed in Africa. There's one employed in South America that, you know, have similar jobs as me driving the, the strategies that have been established in Asia and Africa. And, and so there's a lot more of those foundation programs in place, but it is a challenge because, you know, you can get someone call you and they can give you the, 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 the problem that they're facing and, it, and it's real and it's really real to them, but you, you can't do everything all at once. So my kind of strategy has been to try and work as much as I can and as fast as I can with the, with the organizations and the individuals that want to do great things and then let them tell that story. So, you know, so start to, to work on, people who got the hands up and then let that happen as a as a as a role from there and we're seeing great changes i mean great leadership positions all over the world now that are being filled by women it's fantastic and you're saying you know you, you said you said earlier about dropping that water on that person and seeing them grow and bloom you know and and certainly you know try and stop us campaign that some of those stories i've read on that it's just you know those the women in the world in you know again some really adverse conditions you know cool. but but you know they've had the opportunity and and that's been encouraged you know and it's just phenomenal to see them grow and succeed like that so so yeah no wonder you're smiling because honestly massive pat on the back because it's just huge to see that transformation mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if you, if you remember, I mean, because I mean, it, 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 people now just think that it's always been like that, but it wasn't. <laughs> when I started World Rugby, we were, we were governed by a, by a council of 30 men. 
I mean, that was the, so here we were, we were trying to sort of sort out leadership, but they were, we had a council of 30 men and that was it. And so thank goodness. And Bill, so Bill Beaumont was really passionate. We had Bill Pulver at the time saying that we needed to change that. So we had that kind of momentum to make that move. Now, you know, you, you still be about 17 women on, on council. You've got two of our subcommittees chaired by women. We've got a target of moving towards 40% on all the other committees. And we've got unions around the world that have, embrace that balancing the board stuff and are just flying with it. And so it's, it's so exciting, you know, and the fact that the chief executive of Colombia has just been appointed as a woman and the chief executive of Argentina is a woman. We are seeing changes all over the place. So it's really exciting, really, really exciting. Have you, um, have you ever had to experience like me, I know this is going a, a little bit of a side question, but have you ever had to like kind of maybe pull away for an environment to come back again? Cause it wasn't quite ready for that change you know obviously again that cultural side that balance of yeah we need to like you said go make change but you can only go as fast as they're ready to hear it have you yeah. ever had to pull away from environments and go yeah. back I do and I think sometimes what you do is I mean I have this little kind of equation that I use when I evaluate situations and it's it's p equals m times s times e so it's and p is performance equals motivation times skill times environment. So P equals M times S times E. And quite often, and so if you look at that and you look at maybe it's a decision you're trying to get over the line or it's a campaign that you're trying to evaluate or it's an organization and it's culture. And you sit down and you, and you think about, well, why am I getting where I'm at? What am I at? What is the motivations? What are the skills that people are have that are bringing in it? And what's the environment? And, and then you can kind of politically step back from it and and see what's going on and say, well, which is the bit that you need to push or pull? And sometimes, sometimes, you know, when you think about it, you think about, okay, well, I can't get that person to make the decision. And is it about me and that person? And if it's about me and that person, then you think about, well, who is going to help get that over the line? So who do I know that's going to help me work on that person? And so then you step back and then you work on your relationships to bring someone else into that loop. So you don't always have to be the person that drives everything. What you do need to do is know how how you know you need to think about it clinically about how you can actually change things um but there's always a way but yes sometimes yeah. you step out and you work with someone else and then you can go forward i just trying to relate that back to potentially like someone's experience within the community game mm -hmm. uh, a lot of mums may be taking their sons to a rugby club and they want to have influence and it's about like you say finding the right person get your skills aligned to them and try and influence the environment that way and then you might you may be able to change things and get involved or feel comfortable by getting involved. So I think that's really, I really yeah. like that bit of advice. Definitely, that's great. I've I've definitely written that down as well. I, I think that's a brilliant. <laughs> I saw you scribbling as well, Elle. <laughs> Making those notes. That's a great golden nugget there, Katie. I've got my little black book and my yeah. uh, little. Put right. my name in there. Make sure you let me know how you get on. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's blue, but it's there. Yeah. <laughs> But just just touching on that as well, because I mean the community game, and there's so many you know so many people listening to this, and obviously we're talking at high strategic level, which you're involved in. You know, have you got any little nuggets, more nuggets for that kind of the community game level participation? People aspiring there to grow and progress. What what would you? I know we talked a lot about it about you know not being afraid, taking risks. But is there any one piece of advice you'd give someone really wanting to progress? In yeah, women's I mean, like, so so um, I think the thing is, if if you know, and I still I mean, look at you. I work for an international body, but to make sure that I'm still in touch, I sit as a director on Swim Ireland. So I kind of go back into working at a union level 
And then I've also, you know, always helped out at a club level as well because I have a daughter, you know, I've been involved in the rowing club. I've been involved in the volleyball club. I've been involved, whatever it is. So I understand those <laughs> kinds of challenges. I think the thing is, is, is there are, you know, ask questions, absolutely ask questions and look to connect with people who may be able to help you. So the, the principles are very similar. I mean, most, you know, I mean, I was involved with the first, one of the first things I did in my career was, was to develop a, a kit, um, which I call, we called the volunteer involvement program in New Zealand. And it was a kind of like a, a clip, a, a kit for people who were working at a club level to actually understand what their roles were, about how they got resources to help put together a little bit of a plan on how to actually recruit coaches. Most, you know, national governing bodies, sport agencies will have resources that you can tap into that are at local government level or that are at central government level, you know, through that kind of website. So, so search for that stuff because there's plenty of resources that are out there and then get something and, and then start to talk to people about it. Cause quite often, you know, you can find a really good little kit on, on how to be a great leader at a, a community level or, or a coach or, a, or, uh, and, and, and then you just sort of sit down and you, you, you sit down with that resource and you bring a couple of people and you sit down, and you digest it and you think about where your skills are and what you might need to go next. So it's this kind of the principles are very, very similar. Create a support network. Think about what you might want to do. Um, and, you know, there's there's such a cry for volunteers of people to get involved in clubs at a club at a level. Um, so, you know, just sort of putting your hand up saying I want to help is is probably you're probably going to be grabbed. Yeah. Um, and then you just need to get the, the right sort of support network around you with some of those resources and the community best training and find a little mentor or someone who's been there, done that just to use as a sounding board on a regular basis. Brilliant. I mean, we've been getting some questions in from Twitter as well, Katie, because um, which has been great. I know LJ, we got we got a question, haven't we, from Twitter that we're going to we're going to ask Katie. Yeah, I think we've um, we've touched a little bit around this question. Um, so there might not be too much more to add. And I know, again, you've, you, uh, you mentioned around Carol's role as well in the world rugby. But one of the questions is, uh, does the development of women in rugby include female coaches as well as players? Which I think your answer is going to be yes. Yes. Um, but is there any other bits of detail on that we can maybe put yeah, out there? There's, there's, there's a really good, I mean, uh, Carol's amazing. I mean, she was kind of one of those people that, um, well, I didn't know Carol before I came to, came to, to Dublin, but I, I had a friend um, in New Zealand who had moved out. Actually, she used to be the, the chief executive of Nepal in England. And she, I sort of said, look, who do I need to know? Who do I need to know? And she gave me two or three names. She said, you must meet these people. And they gave me those introductions. It's the same kind of thing. So created my network. And Carol has just been unbelievably um, generous with her time. She now does, you know, we do contract her. Um, but she, she just gives so much back to the game. And so that her project was to help work with how do we actually address what's going on in coaching primarily it was at a high performance level but you can't deal with the high performance and not have the pathways and the community stuff sorted so one of the, the things that she did which i think is really really valuable for people to have a look at is is she developed a toolkit so we have a, a coaching a woman in coaching toolkit now that's not just at elite level so it, it looks at how do you work at a, a local level to actually develop a plan to get more women involved in coaching but even as a coach, if I was a, a young woman who wanted to have a coaching career, if you look at that toolkit and you can see it on um, www.woman.rugby and you can look at the toolkit, you start looking at it. It talks about some of the challenges, barriers and the ways that you can you can address those 
So it's, it's quite of a lengthy book, but you can sort of zone into the bit that actually means a difference for you. So I would welcome people to have a look at it and see what they think about it. But that's definitely based at looking at the pathways coming through the coaches. And it's, um, you know, speaking personally, I've been involved on that, lucky enough to be involved on that high performance program. And it's been absolutely brilliant all, all the way through the summer. And, and we're going to pick up again and kind of um, waterfall the information down as well. It's to other female coaches. It's, it's you know, Carol, Carol Ishwood ish, as I know, I played with her years and years ago. She's been she's legendary in the game. And, um, yeah. you know, she's she's just a real, real great inspiration, has done so much, like you said. But certainly those pathways, you know, it's not just at the elite level. And if, if people can you know reference that it'd be great there's some great advice in there for how to yeah. connect those structures and move on as a coach so yeah, yeah. Def definitely and that's www.womens.rugby they can yeah. um, women.rugby yeah. women okay yeah. we'll put that on the pod as well so the P our yeah. listeners can get access to that Katie it's been absolutely phenomenal I know we're, we're closing down on time now it's getting late over there for you um, but we've been we've absolutely I mean we could chat and chat and chat to be honest with you there's so much you know it's been so exciting to listen to you and hear about the developments of what what's going to what you've done but not only that what's going to happen in the future but I know we always like to finish uh, with a little bit of quick fire from LJ and I think LJ themed it this to do a bit of Christmas fun yeah yeah <laughs> I've tried to make them Christmassy Okay. So I apologise if they're a bit random. <laughs> um, basically, you and Bird, you just shout out which you would rather. Okay. Um, so the first is Holly and Ivy or mistletoe. <laughs> mistletoe. Mistletoe. Bring it on. Get the mistletoe, mistletoe. in there. Get the mistletoe the right, out. Only yeah. if the right people are around. Yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Mince pies or Yule log. Mince pie. Ooh. Yeah, mince pie. Mince pie. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, when would you rather open your Christmas presents? Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Go Drag on. it out. Yeah, Drag, yeah. yeah. make it last. <laughs> um, <laughs> which which Christmas movie movie would you rather? Elf or Christmas Carol? Oh, Christmas Carol. I think True. Christmas Carol. Traditional. Yeah. I, I okay. actually don't like puppets. So yeah, little elves remind me of puppets. <laughs> and have you have you seen the movie Elf? Elf, the actual no. movie. Bird, no. you need to watch it. You'll find it hilarious. It's not a puppet. It's a grown okay. man. It's a grown it? man. Oh right, that's right. It, <laughs> He's oh, okay, a grown man in a very tight suit. <laughs> no, no. I'll no, stick to Christmas Carol. Okay. I might have a watch of it. Now. <laughs> and then um what kind of Christmas would you rather? A snowy Christmas or a sunny Christmas? Snow. Snowy. 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 Snowy, definitely. There we go. Yay. That's my Christmas. But I'll be having a barbecue. I'll be having a barbecue down there. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> I was down yeah. in New Zealand once for Christmas and it was so weird, like having a, a Barbie and some tinnies, you know. It was like, you know, whoa, this is weird. <laughs> opening your stock and it just didn't feel right but yeah yeah I, I, well, I hopefully, you'll, hopefully you'll all be down here next year 2021 it's going to be amazing and the launch yeah. was phenomenal as well it's so great launch what a fantastic launch that was so yeah. cool anyway this is it for the podcast um today thank you all for listening katie it's been an absolute pressure yeah. a pleasure thank having you. you on and if you want to hear more um please visit rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the podcast button to visit uh, the women's section have a safe and happy christmas everyone with your loved ones please stay safe and well and we all hope to catch up with you in the new year thank you very, very much good. again katie merry christmas
Merry Christmas to you too. Cheers.